This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, season one, episode 57. Dansby Swanson is a cub. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast and to follow all the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Or email us at fly the W670 at gmail.com. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670. The score, of course, your one-stop shop for everything Cubs baseball on the radio. And as always, I'm joined by Crowley. Crowley, happy Sunday afternoon and happy Dansby Swanson Day. Yep, it finally happened. The Cubs did it. They 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 got their man, supposedly. Um you know, if you want to believe the reports, they were you know all in on Dansby Swanson from the beginning. And when you take a look, um, one of the things that was talked about with, with, with Jed is he did not want the long-term deal. And when you take a look at what the other guys got, you know, it, it's not one of the super long deals. So it's a seven-year, $177 million deal. That includes a full no-trade clause. According to the scores, baseball insider Bruce Levine, Swanson will be the second highest annual average contract ever for the Cubs behind John Lester. He'll make $25 million per season. It's the second highest total contract behind, behind Jason Hayward's $184 million contract. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting move, and let's hope it works out for the Cubs, right? Crowley, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little surprised. I thought you would be a little bit more uh, pumped up than you sound at uh, 3:25 on a Sunday afternoon. I know you said you watched a little bit of the Bears hanging around with the Eagles, and we, everybody watched the Great World Cup final. I thought you'd be a little bit more up. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm doing cartwheels or anything like that because I was basically on hashtag anybody but Swanson if, as far <laughs> as the, the big four went. But I love the fact that this is seven years. It's a right. big investment. $177 million is a big investment. But I figured the way the market was going, and again, the Cubs did not set the market. I never thought they would. I thought they would fall in line, and now they have definitely fallen in line. But I thought Dansby Swanson was going to get $200 million 
by whoever right. it was that signed him. So I think this is great for both the Cubs, and I think this is great for Dansby Swanson because this is a guy that now wants a second bite. Like the other three guys that signed ahead of Dansby Swanson, the other three of the big four, this is it. I mean, they might, maybe they get another contract, but it'll be a little, it'll be a little guy compared to what they did. Dansby Swanson could, if everything goes right, put himself in another 200 plus million dollar contract potentially if he does right. And if he does right, the Cubs might be happy to be the ones that give it to him. So I would say the thing that kind of throws me off a little bit, Dustin, and the reason I'm not so pumped is that it kind of confused me because if you weren't going to go, let's see, uh, Correa 13 years and then Bogarts and Turner were 11 years, right? So if you weren't going to go with one of those big super deals, uh, you know, over plus $200 million, then I guess I'm just puzzled as to why they didn't get some of the other pieces they wanted that could have made this team much better. That's, so I guess that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of like, good, I'm very glad, and, and, and you know, Good, glad for Swanson. Glad the Cubs got their guy because I was, I, I got to tell you, I was scared. I was sure the Twins were going to get, um, I was pretty sure the Twins were probably going to try to make a, a good pitch to Swanson and uh, that. But then now I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, well, you didn't go big, right? You didn't go bust. Okay. So it's almost to me like if you guys, and, and Dustin, you brought this up before on a lot of the different podcasts that we've done, you preferred not getting something big, but kind of spreading it out in the different needs that the Cubs had. And so, Okay, I'm, I'm on board with you on that. I could do that too, no problem, sure. But then, like, you let a lot of good talent kind of just go away that could have easily you easily could have gotten. You know what I mean? Right, right. That that's a, and that's a great point by you. That that's where they may have swung and missed. That maybe they can tell us that Dansby Swanson was always their guy, um, but then they missed maybe adding a better guy at first base or maybe adding a better backup catcher. We're going to get into some rumors about backup catcher in a minute, but I think this is, um, this is smart spending. That's what the, that's what this is. Also Crowley, right? Nico right. Horner now goes from being a good shortstop to a potentially great second baseman. Well, when we talk about Dansby Swanson, right? He hit, this was kind of his big breakout year, right? He had, Two, he hit 277. He had 25 home runs, career high 96 RBIs. He played all 162 games, right? So he that's got his crazy. first. That's great yeah. news. I mean, that's a guy who's in there every day. Yeah, he got his first All Star selection, his first Gold Glove. Uh, we know that's like uh, Swanson is an elite defender, the best out of the four shortstops that were on the market, right? He was actually the second most valuable fielder in all of baseball. So the best shortstop and the second most valuable fielder in all of baseball. But you know who the second best shortstop was at the NL last season? As far as defensive runs saved was Nico Horner. So, you know, you're starting to see this game plan come along. And Dustin, I called into the 670 to score the Molly Hall show on Friday. We were talking a little bit about Carter Hawkins. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, you're, you're trying to look at that elite defense. Okay. And so you have the best shortstop. In, you know, obviously one of the most important defensive positions and now the one of the best second basemen. So you're taking a look at probably one of the best infields we've seen at least since, you know, maybe Baez and Russell. Um, but this could, you know, we'll see potentially if this, this could, could potentially be better. Be better. This right. could potentially, this could potentially be better and up the middle, right? What was their first, what was their first move? Center field? 
right? right? That was field. that was their first move. So right up the middle, and now you know now potentially we have to figure out what they're going to do as far as a backup catcher goes. But hey, listen, I'm I'm excited about Swanson. Uh, I'm sure the uh, Swanson uh, jerseys are going to be flying off the shelves at the uh, last Christmas rush here, Crowley. Um, so I, I think this is good for both Dansby Swanson and for the Cubs. Um, and if you look I, at it, I'm happy. I'm happy with it right now. Right. If you look at it, you have a gold glover in left, a gold glover in center, a gold glover in short, and a gold glover at second. Right. So, I mean, that's that's pretty good, you know? And so, uh, but but again, I think a lot about, you, you remember, Dustin, in, in the postseason, we were kind of picking through the rounds who we thought was going to advance in each series. And every time we talked about Cleveland, you would say, I don't know how they're going to score any runs. And, and that is still of concern. Now, Swanson had, an, like I said, breakout season in 2022, but if you take a look at his his full career, right? I'm not going 2016 because that was his first year he broke in, but it was like 13 games, small sample size. And I pulled 2020 out because I think a 60-game season was ridiculous. Throw out all the records on that. Um, but in 2017, he slashed 232, 312, 324 with six home runs. 2018, he slashed 238, 304, 395, 14 home runs. 2019, 251, 325, 422 with 17 home runs. 2021, he slashed 248, 311, 449. He did have 27 home runs. And 2022, he got that average up to 277, 329 on base, and 447 slug with 25 home runs. So if you're telling me that the Dansby Swanson for, let's say, four or five out of those seven years can give you the 2022 numbers, then I'm going to be doing cartwheels. But, you know, I do, I, you know, I, there is a little bit of concern for me as far as, you know, is that going to be where he is now or is he going to revert to maybe 2018, 2019 form? Well, to be determined, obviously. But the good news is going through those numbers that you put out there for us is that each year he's getting better, right? right. Each year he's getting better. And I would think at his age, he's coming into his prime right now. These should be the prime years. And we talked about losing Wilson Contreras' power. Well, th- this guy, if he can stay, what he's been doing the last two years is pretty comparable. Correct. So that's kind of replacing Wilson Contreras' power numbers at shortstop. Plus, you get a whole year of Horner playing at second base, where I think it won't be as rigorous maybe on him. Say a Suzuki should be in that 25 to 27 home run area as well. And then depending on who you got playing third base every day, who you got playing first base every day, there could be another 20 to 25 home runs. So all of a sudden, and oh yeah, by the way, they still need a DH probably, right? Right. Um, so that there's another hopefully 20 or 25 home runs. So th- th- there's some power to be had. Where, where would you think, Crowley, just looking into your Cubs crystal ball, if you will, um, where would you see Swanson batting? So he's got to be either third or fourth, right? You would, you would, I would say probably third would be my guess. Okay. If we're looking at potential lineup, I would say he had to be your number three guy. All right, that's what I'm. That's what I was curious. Third or you know, third or fifth, depending on who else you add potentially. Right. And then if you're looking righty lefty, if that's something that you're uh, that you're concerned about, that seems to be a common theme uh, for managers and for general managers. They love that lefty righty, lefty righty, lefty righty. If they can, if they can get that kind of thing done. Now, along with uh, Swanson this weekend, uh, today, uh, Jesse Rogers uh, reported that Jed Hoyer is expected to re-sign Drew Smiley, right? So if you remember, Smiley was hurt a lot in the first half, and then the second half, he w- he got better, and he really pitched well. 
and finish strong. Um, he enjoyed his time with the Cubs in 2022. Uh, Smiley liked working with uh, Hadavi and the pitching coaches. So this was one that wasn't really a shocker. That was kind of you know what we kind of were reading in the tea leaves by things that were said by both parties. They liked who he was in the clubhouse. And they, they liked, you know, and, and they liked how he pitched and everything kind of seemed to be like a good marriage there. So, you know, we're looking at the the, the pitching staff next season. I, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of put this together, Dustin. You tell me what you think. I got Stroman one, Tyone two, Smiley three, Steele four, and Hendricks five. Yeah, I, I think I think that makes sense. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, you could switch it around a little bit, but that, that makes sense. And, and then right behind that, Crowley, I added to this. You got Wes Nasty, you got Samson, you got Thompson, you got Assad, Killian, Alzale. I mean, they they got 10 guys that could start for them right now. You know, one of those guys breaks out. One of those guys breaks out, it's going to be pretty damn special. Right. And I, I, what I think is going to happen, I think Alzale, I think with his injury, injury history, especially last year, I think he's bullpen all year. That that's that's okay. my assumption there on that one. But um, you got a lot of situations here where you you could do the the Tampa thing, right? Where you get the a four inning guy and then you come back with another guy for four innings and then you get yeah. to the end of the bullpen with that with this group of 10. Right, absolutely. And and so you do have depth. You do have depth. Somebody goes down with an injury, there's somebody right there to pick it up. Right. So, you know, and, and like you said, the question is is can one of these guys break out? A name that you don't have on the list too is Ben Brown. Uh, who, who they got from the Phillies, okay, uh, for the Dave Robertson trade. And so in, in, in that one, you're going to say to yourself, all right, so you got, you know, Ben Brown. So you just need one to have some sort of crazy breakout season, right? Some sort of pitcher that just kind of just blows everybody away. You do that, now all of a sudden things get interesting. If you got a real legit number one ace, which the Cubs don't have. They don't right. have it on paper. Right. No. Mm-mm. But, but got a we bunch of, they got a bunch of threes. They got a right. bunch of really good threes right now. So we opinion. want to know what Wesniski can do. Can Justin Steele take it another level? You know, the only thing that does worry me, Dustin, is, is for guys like, especially when we talk about uh, uh, Killian and when we talk about, or you know, uh, Keegan Thompson, when we talk about um, Justin Steele, is they pitched a lot last year, more than they ever have. So I'm kind of curious to see how how the arms kind of bounce come back out of this that. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just the one thing I'm a little bit nervous about. But we'll we'll see what happens. But you know the the, the hot stove is steaming, and and you can tell right now that Jed is still uh, looking to make some more moves. Obviously, the biggest question is catchers, right? Well, who is going to take Wilson? Not I wouldn't say Wilson's place because I think that's clear. Um, you know, they got the catcher that they want, their everyday catcher, and Jan Gomes, um, but. What you have left, you have Gary Sanchez, who's 30 years old, but he's very, he's like a, a less good version of Wilson Contreras. You know what I mean? Same, <laughs> same, same thing that he can hit and he's got an arm, but you know, he's not a great game caller. You know what I mean? And he, he doesn't frame and receive pitches really well. So I don't see that happening. Jorge Alfaro is 30. And then the one, the, the one that has the biggest buzz right now, and Cup fans should remember him from his time with Cincinnati, is Tucker yeah. Barnhart. That's the one that's percolating today around the uh, rumor mill. Yeah. Right. So, so he's 32, and and so you know, hopefully we can kind of get some idea what happens there. And then when you talk about third baseman, Justin Turner at 38 years old, Brandon Jury is a name that I keep kind of hearing a lot of. Uh, he's only 30. And Evan right. He's a guy that Matt Spiegel's been really hot for for the Cubs. He thinks that's a, a really good fit and could take some at-bats at uh, DH as well. Right, and Evan Lagoria is 37. So, 
You know, the, the idea here is, let's say you get Drury or Turner, which are the two names that I'm hearing the most. You know, if you put them at third, then you can platoon Wisdom and uh, Matt Mervis at first, and you can kind of play around with that stuff. And then you could have a legit DH, which the Cubs did not have at all last season. If you remember, they went with, for the first half of the season, it seemed like they went a lot with that Wilson uh, catching, Jan DHing, and then reversing it when Jan right. was catching, you know, Wilson DHing. Um, but, but yeah, that was just such, and then they went with, um, uh, Fran Mil Reyes, which didn't work out. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens if they can get like, a, you know, if they can use some of these guys in, in good platoon matchups and kind of rotate between third, first and DH those guys were, like I said, Turner wisdom and Mervis. So, or, or Drury wisdom and Mervis, you can, you can kind of play around there, but, um, so that's why I don't think that they're going to get a DH. I saw the other day, um, you know, most of the DHs now pretty much are gone. J.D. Martinez just signed a, a one-year deal with the Dodgers. Dodgers which, yeah. Right, you know. So I, I guess the thing, and this is, like I said, my guy that I wanted was Christian Vasquez. And so I just felt with the money that you saved going with uh, Dansby Swanson over, and that's, you know, over, uh, but, but it seems like, you know, he got the same deal. Uh, from the Cubs that Minnesota offered him that three years, the Cubs million. wanted the Cubs wanted another option. He didn't want that. Right. So I, I would, that, like I said, just kind of some weird moves, but I think, uh, you know, it's starting to come together, but here, you know, here's the thing, Dustin, is that like in 2016, I did this, my buddy went out to Vegas and I said, put 50 down on the Cubs for me to, you know, win the world series, 2016 world series. I knew going into that season, there was no doubt in my mind that the Cubs had the best team on paper. Okay. Now, when we take a look at this team, I, I, I think more about 1989 or 2000. Not only is I don't want to say I would say I would say 1989 is the team that it reminds me of, where you have a lot of things that have to go your way if you're going to be successful. Okay. You, I, I mean, obviously injuries are always a big deal, but you're going to need some breakout years from guys that should have them. When you're talking about, we're talking about guys like uh, Suzuki, and you're talking about Swans, uh, Dansby Swanson, and, and and some of these guys. They got to do it. We got to have some rookies that really kind of uh, bust out or second year guys really kind of take it to the next level. So is there, is there maybe five more home runs out of Nico Horner? Is there, uh, you know, does Chris Morrell come back and have a stronger year this year? These are guys that these things really have to happen. So it's like, if you told me, if you asked me right now, well, you know, what place do the Cubs finish in? I, I, again, I see them probably now with these latest couple moves, 81, 82 wins. Is where I see them. Okay. What about uh, real quick before we keep moving here? Uh, one more guy that got signed that we did not talk about. I don't believe you will correct me if I'm wrong, and don't be afraid to. But Brad Boxberger, the guy that the Brad Cubs have liked, it seems like from a while, a while, right? They get him out of uh, Milwaukee, bring him uh, south of the Cheddar Curtain, and they've got him in the bullpen now. I'll say this: the Cubs' pitching infrastructure has done a fantastic job year after year of getting these guys and uh, working with them, and 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 the results seem to be great. So every year they get these guys, and then they flipped them in the past. Um, when you talk about F. Ross Martin and uh, you know some of those guys from and Robertson last year, right? So you're able to flip that. The year before, you were talking about um, you know uh, you had. Uh, Chafin, Andrew Chafin, and you had some other guys that you were able to flip at the deadline. So the, the Cubs pitching infrastructure has done a great job. So I don't care who they signed. I, I had a feeling that they were going to find some guys, be able to 
you know, get the most out of them. And if the Cubs are have a disappointing season, Boxberger, if he looks good, is one of those guys that you flip. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 57. Dansby Swanson is a cub. In this segment, Crowley talks to Joe Johnson, the founder of Obvious Shirts. Joining me now, my next guest on Fly the W, it's obvious. It is Joe Johnson from Obvious Shirts. How you doing, Joe? Crowley, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on the number one fan in baseball's podcast and here on fly the W. I appreciate that. My friend. Now I, I got to tell you something. It, it's a, uh, you know, just seeing your success is just amazing. How did it all start for you as far as a Cubs fan? I mean, most of us, we have some sort of parent that genetically passed it on or somehow we got addicted to Harry Carey. Which one was it for you? <clears throat> yeah. Well, I didn't really have a choice in the matter. So like the story is I can't vouch. I don't, I don't know if I have photos, but when I was born, I was brought home in a Cubs onesie from the hospital. Um, my grandfather, big time, big time Cub fan. And being raised by a single mom, you know, I was, I would go to my grandparents' house almost every weekday after school and hang out with them. They live close by 10 minutes from my, from my mom's house. So after school, I would spend my days with my grandpa and that entitled us, uh, watching the Cubs, you know, every time, every day game that the Cubs were on, I would get home from school and it'd be like the seventh inning. He'd already have the game on. And he taught me the game of baseball from watching the Cubs and my love for baseball from there grew, um, played baseball myself, played four years in college. Um, but it definitely started with my grandfather. Uh, he had a huge influence on my life, probably my favorite human being, uh, in my life. And I owe it all to him. Now, do you remember your first Cubs game at Wrigley, the first time you, you laid eyes on mm -hmm. it? I do. Yeah, I was – I want to say it was right after the – so I went in 1993 before the strike, but I don't, I don't like, remember it. I was probably four or five years old. But the first season after the strike, I went with my grandfather, and I remember that's when I had the, you know, walking up the stairs moment, hearing the organ, smelling the hot dogs. Um it was Ryan Sandberg's might've been 96 then. Cause it was right before Ryan Sandberg retired. And um, I, I remember he hit a foul ball. We were, we were probably the section right behind the Cubs dugout. I don't know what's that, what that's called now. It's like one eighteen or one. We were in this 200 section, like the first couple of rows and a Ryan Sandberg foul ball, like bounced right in front of us and went over my head. And I was so mad, <laughs> but that's about, that's about like my first memory. I know the Cubs beat the Brewers. I think it was like five to three. Couldn't tell you who was pitching. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was magical. Like Wrigley as a kid, Wrigley was my favorite place. You know, people like Disney World or theme, or like theme parks and I just wanted to go to Wrigley. And so I went there every day every day on my birthday on July thirty first, same birthday as Harry Potter. Fun fact. 
Nice. But every I was lucky because like my whole childhood becomes played at home. It was usually against the Rockies, and so every day on my birthday we'd go to a game. Um, so like it, like so many other people. Right, and so you go to college and you're playing baseball. And what did you major in in college? Out of curiosity, um, economics and rhetoric. Rhetoric is like the art of. Pers- I went to a liberal arts school, so you know not a lot of people have heard of rhetoric. It's public speaking. So okay. like, like linguistics and language has always been an interest in how to persuade and use your words for empowerment. And then the econ, the business side. So I kind of blurred all those things together here with the business. So you're sitting there and, uh, you know, you go, you, you know, you get a office job, right? Regular nine to five. Yep. Yeah. I got, a, I had a, I got super lucky through a few, you know, connections and guys I played ball with that got me a really nice job downtown Chicago right on right on the river um very cush job sales I was I was pretty good at it um but I hated I hated the nine to five I hated the corporate structure I hated so many of the politics that came with the corporate lifestyle and I my mom was the one that she's like, you know, you you have a great job. You're like you should, you're living downtown Chicago, and like you should be thrilled. And I was just like, I kind of just miss sports. I miss being involved. And this was right after I was done playing baseball and all that. And she's like, well, you should do something that you love. Like you should be, you know, type. Don't don't do what I did. I I had to work insane hours just to keep you know me and my sister like afloat and she's like if you if you have the means just do something that you love so uh, then I just started paying more attention again to like baseball and started diving into that I'm yeah so 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 we're getting back to that magical year of 2015 and uh you know it really it was I think anyone that walked in the 2015 season said oh you know we got Johnny Lester this is starting to look good and then you know, it just took off. And one of the reasons it took off was because of one of the, you know, greatest trades ever, Scott Feldman and what is Steve Clevenger for Jake Arietta and Pedro Strope. And so uh, Jake has all of a sudden just this unbelievable, amazing year. And that had to have been fun for you to watch. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, and you remember like the whole like Joe Madden, the, the well, first like, Theo, I think Theo got hired my senior year in college, and I was a, I was a maniac when that happened because like his his obviously his reputation precedes himself, and I thought that was like okay, we're gonna like make a go at it. And then when we got Madden and then Lester, we knew Chris Bryant was right around the corner. Rizzo had already established himself. Um, Castro, I mean, I love Castro. Like that was a 2015 was a super fun year, and then. My backstory with Jake is really kind of surreal because I played a I played a travel like a travel ball a high competitive high school uh, scout team and we played at TCU and we played we stayed in the TCU locker room and uh, there was like a piece of tape it was like scotch tape and it said like Arietta J Arietta thirty four um, and I remember like seeing that I remember seeing his face because he was kind of big time at TCU then I think he was either junior or senior when I was a junior, rising senior in high school. Um, and I was talking to the custodian and he was like, yeah, that, that guy's a ball player. He's going to be pitching in the big sometime. And then I, so I followed him. I followed him. He was on the USA team and I saw him pitch a few times as like uh, before he went to the Orioles and his stuff was disgusting. I just, 
I don't, he couldn't really control it that well, but you could tell he had really good stuff. So when the Cubs got him, I'm like, I'm going to follow this guy. Um, I know his success wasn't great in Baltimore, but everything just came together perfectly in 2015. And then he was an alien the second half of the season. I tell people, Absolutely you know, alien. right. I tell people there are three years that just blew my mind away. And that was 84 Sutcliffe, 92 Maddox, and 2015 Jake Arietta. Three of just the greatest, most dominant uh, pitching matchups. And so you have a connection to Jake. And, and do you remember the conversation that leads to the very first shirt? Yeah, real quick. Rank, I want you to rank, in, not, not in terms of player, not in terms of career, the snapshot of their dominance. How would you rank Jake, Mad Dog, and Sutcliffe? Boy. You got to give Jake the one, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really hard, man. I would really have to sit down and think it through. I mean, I just I just don't want to think of recency bias. You know what I mean? Jake's the one that's freshest in my head. And I was a kid when when Sutcliffe did it. But I mean, that was just like this guy just got traded to the Cubs and didn't lose. He was just dominant. And then just remembering Maddox and thinking we really got something special and we didn't. We let him go. So Arietta, obvious. I mean, he's got to be up there. It's hard. You know, I would say, yeah, Arietta would probably be number one. Stat wise, I mean, nobody can touch Arietta's stats. I think he gave up like one home run in four months. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was just ridiculous. So, yeah, you're, you're in the office and uh, people are talking about Jake and the light bulb goes on over your head. Yeah. So, how, like, at the time I was a season's ticket holder, uh, I guess I still am now. It's just under the company's name and not my name. But, at the time I was going to a lot of games, I was in sales. And if you're like at your quota, you know, they're kind of cool. You don't have to really come into work. You can kind of be flexible with your schedule. So the, it all kind of started in probably June, July, 2015. Um, and it was after one of Jake. It's, I think it was right after the all-star break and Jake had like a complete game, maybe eight innings. I don't know. He struck out like a 10 or 11, and I just came into the office because our my team downtown, we were all Cub fans. So that was like we always talk Cubs. Water cooler talk Cubs. Break room, we talk Cubs. We always had the Cubs game on in the in the like our team meeting room. So like I even changed desks so that I could see I have an angle of the TV meet in the meeting room at all times to watch the Cubs. Very unproductive. But I came in one of the one of the mornings and I came in late. And I was like, so uh, Jake Arrieta is good at baseball. And <laughs> I didn't say any. I came in late, just said that and sat down, and my team kind of chuckled. And uh, I was like, I should put that on a shirt. And, like, no knowledge of T-shirts. I'm not – I don't even consider myself creative. I just think, like, less is more and try to be sarcastic. I, I'm just always kind of, like, trying to get a reaction out of people with stupid shit that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> so they they liked it. I was like, I could make that a shirt. And then my buddy, he's like, you know what? I did t-shirt promotion and when I was in college to pay my pay my way. I can get you a shirt made. I said, yeah, I want one shirt size large. Um, and then I have your buddy before we print this. Have your buddy send me samples because I'm really picky about my t-shirts and I hate the I hated the like majestic. On the I love majestic, but I hated that jersey that that jersey t-shirt the what are they called the jersey jersey thank you i just hated those so much it was like wearing a cardboard box so i'm like have your buddy send me samples i want to pick a super comfortable shirt 
And then that I was playing around with all these different fonts. And I remembered in college, I had a class where they said Helvetica font is the cleanest, simplest, most basic font. So I used that and I mapped, I, I did it in Microsoft Word and I printed it out in landscape and I would hold it up to my t-shirt that I was wearing under my shirt to get the size. And I'm like, I want it as well, you know, white, almost armpit to armpit. And then, you know, four weeks later, the shirt came in and I wore it to a, I'm like, I'm going to wear it to Jake's next start. Um, and he, that was against the Brewers. He went the complete game, struck out 11, gave up three hits. I left to go get a beer in the third inning and got like, at that time of the year, he had like six or seven strikeouts, like in the third inning, I think he had six strikeouts. And everybody just bombarded me. They're like, where did you get that? I was getting tapped on the shoulder as I was walking by. The concession ladies were asking me if they can get one for them. And so it was just, I was like, give me any contact information. Give me a business card. And I wrote every business card down. Or when I got back, I took everybody's info, made 50 shirts, individually texted or emailed or called every single person. Everybody still wanted it because he was still dealing. And then I ordered 100, put them on Facebook, and I sold all those in like 40 minutes. And then I ordered 400 and then everything kind of changed from there. So, was, so do you remember, do you remember when you kind of said to yourself, okay, maybe this is really going to be a full-time gig? Well, that didn't come for another almost two years. So I was running this almost as a, I was running it as a speakeasy out of my desk, downtown Chicago. I had, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like full disclosure here, I had the guys in the mailroom on the 40th floor of my office building like they were real cool with me and they would, they would keep my envelopes. They would keep my t-shirts like away. And so like at lunch breaks, I would shoot up to the top floor, grab a bunch of t-shirts, stuff them in envelopes, give them cause all that they collected all of our mail and sorted it. And they would put it in the out- outgoing for me and nobody knew about it. So I was running <laughs> a speakeasy business out of my office desk for about a year, year and a half. And then after the Kyle Schwarber t-shirt blew up, and I had, I had Jake, I had um, uh, Kyle Schwarber, and then I had I'm Allergic to St. Louis. Those three kind of were doing, I think I was selling like 20 shirts a day. So I'm like, if I, if I can just get five more shirts a day, I'll quit my job. And in retrospect, that was the stupidest thing ever because I was <laughs> not ready to, I was not ready to quit my job. I had a very, very bad, rough, depressing, dark 2017, but I just, grinded extremely hard and worked my ass off trying to make connections with people and sending free shirts to people and eventually bug bleacher nation enough to like give me a chance to uh, kind of pitch my whole idea and concept to them and brett loved it and he's like well we want to help any way we can and then you know i owe a lot of people a lot of a lot of thanks and a lot of praise because i i got lucky and i'm not sure it would have taken off if i were to do it again well, that's the beauty about the, 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 this, this kind of little social media world that we're all part of is that we all are there for each other. We're helping each other out. I remember seeing you, you know, like you said, grinding and hustling. Cause I'm always grinding and hustling myself and I would be at all the autograph shows and Cubs convention. And all of a sudden I kept seeing this guy putting his shirts up and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chicago sports spectacular and those type of places. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm just sitting here. I'm like, is this really going to work? I was, I was looking at it with a lot of curiosity and I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, okay, I'm digging it. It's, it's, it's clever. It's original. And, and, and so, you know, all of a sudden, you know, 2016, obviously the Cubs win the world series. And so you had a couple of shirts that definitely hit it big, the classic, you know, about the rain delay and the other about a Wednesday in Cleveland. Uh, it's just 
funny about how when I, um, I you know, the South Bend Cubs just won the championship and they mm-hmm. won it on a Wednesday yeah. in Cleveland. And it's just so funny because all the guys, whether I talk to the players or whether I talk to the broadcasters and everything, everyone had to mention that. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's so obvious, but it's, it's like, if you're a Cub fan, you know, it's one of those things too, with that shirt is that if you're a Cub fan, you know, if you're not, you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe not so you know, much. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So absolutely amazing. And so, you know, you start kind of branching, you know, that world series had to have helped uh, as far as selling shirts and those, those shirts that you did have. No doubt. Like I said, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Cause everything kind of just fell in place at the right time. I, I can, I do consider myself very lucky. I'm not any better. I'm not any more talented. I'm not any more creative. I'm not any smarter than any Cub fan that I know. I think I had something very different, something very unique. But I think the reason why it works is because it is authentically me. Like I am myself on Twitter, the brand, the voice of the brand is how I talk. It's how like my friends know me as it's that it's the smart ass of the group. It's the, it's the guy that, you know, spins puns on everything. And so it either was going to work or it wasn't. And if it didn't work, that's okay. But at least I knew that I gave it my all and, the greatest game for literally like not, I don't want to say it saved the company because the world series and the greatest game shirt, like those two things, I consider it very luck driven, but that greatest game shirt put me on the map. Um, And I think just a couple of big dominoes fell. um, And that's sometimes all it takes. And uh, you know, I'm a baseball player by by birth and you know as baseball players the saying that you get you know one shot at the plate and I just try to make the most of my opportunity at at the plate um and I'm could still consider myself very lucky if the Cubs don't win the World Series I might not be I might not be still doing this I don't know um but yeah I I can't really explain it other than I dedicate myself to the Cubs I've I've thrown my whole entire being into this now the downside of it is I get to be less of a fan, less of a, I used to love following the minors. I used to love reading Brett's art. I mean, I used to, I, I read more Bleacher Nation than anybody. And now I just don't have the time, which kind of sucks. So I feel a little bit disconnected with all the, tran- the things that are transpiring, but I don't try to be a baseball analyst at the same time. Uh, so I don't think I, I think that's pressure that I put on myself. I just try to stick to t-shirts and, and just making a, making Cub fans laugh and just making it more fun to be a Cub fan because, you know, don't, no, nobody take anything too serious. When Even did you, transpiring. Right. Now, when did you decide, okay, that, you know, we need to get a presence in Wrigleyville that we need to get a, an actual physical brick and mortar store uh, and not just be online anymore. I mean, it's going to kind of sound douchey, but people kept asking. I never, that was, I never had any desire to do that. I wanted to be strictly e-commerce. The, this is, I'm in my basement right now. And so this used to be Obvious Shirts headquarters. Um, Just t-shirts filled to Florida ceiling and these cubes. And I never really wanted that. But a lot of people reached out and said, you know what? It'd be great if, if you could have a store because a lot of times people bring friends or they don't know they get tickets last minute and they want something to wear to the game or depending on who's hot, like you can't just 
the options right now is you go buy a jersey or you go buy a jersey. Um, and I, I started this company because I wanted something different. I didn't want to spend $349 on a jersey. And I also didn't want to wear cardboard to a Cubs game. So, you know, I, I feel like I solved my own problem. And it, apparently I, we can solve problems for other people, whether it be a hoodie, comfortable hoodie or a stocking cap or just a T-shirt to support a player. Because honestly, I started this for the players. I, when I started this company, you couldn't even buy a Jake Arrieta, Jake Arrieta jersey unless you went to Sports World or Clark Street Sports and had one custom. Like my first Jake shirt was custom. So I wanted to rep players. I wanted to support players. Well, you can, if you look at this shirt right here, Iowa, Tennessee, South Bend, Myrtle Beach, this is a special shirt because this was the first shirt ever purchased at first the shirt. Obvious Shirt store in, on Grace Street, correct? Clark and Grace? It was the first. And you came about six minutes early. Um, <laughs> rightfully so. Rightfully so. And you, may, you were on a mission, and I couldn't be happier that you were the first shirt ever sold out of uh, the Obvious Shirt store. It, it was just, it was so great. It's opening day, you know, and everybody's just excited. And then we got a my, photo, right? Don't we have a photo like with the one? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's, uh, I think Michael Bowling or Jeremiah Paprocki, one of those guys took it. And they're behind the register. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely a blast, man. You know, you talk about how much you enjoy the players and the cool thing. I, I got to tell you, Joe, there was a little bit of envy on my part because I saw you went golfing with Ryan Sandberg. <laughs> Uh, you actually yeah. have different collections. Like I like, I love the Rhino collection and I love the Hawk collection because that's my era growing up. You know what I mean? That had mm -hmm. to have been like a pinch me moment where you're literally like on the green with Ryan Sandberg, just kind of having some fun. That was, I mean, that was the coolest day of my life, bar none. Like that, that was the, that was just the, the I don't even know how to explain it because he was so chill and so down to earth and, he made it so easy because I was freaking out. Like my first drive, I told him I'm going to, I'm going to hit this right into the ground because I can't, I'm like up there and my hands are like, you know, <laughs> like that. Um, and he just like, he's so calm. He was just like, just, I'm no different than your buddy. I'm like, yeah, you are. I don't know if I, I'm not going to cuss on here. But I'm, yeah. You're very effing different. You're Ryan effing Sandberg. I'm not like, you're not, you're way cooler than anybody I know. And he was just like, and he was like, you know, you're over rotating way too much. He's like, you need to like, just, he's like, you have a very athletic swing. You just need to trust your hands. Like same thing. My baseball coach tell me, trust your hands. And like, he just made it so easy and so chill. And from after the first hole, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I want to beat this guy now. And he saw my, he saw how competitive I was. And he's like, okay, me and you, like, we're doing this. And long story short, we were, out, we were on a scramble team, but me and him, and we were with two others, and, but me and him were more worried about jabbing at each other. And they took it all the way down to the last hole, and he, he pulled one of the all-time great tricks on me. I had about an eight or ten-footer, um, bit straight, not a hard putt. And he said, right before I get ready to set up and putty, he's like, it breaks more than you think. And that gamesmanship just screwed with me. And so I turned my, my blade putter just about a centimeter right, hit it perfectly straight, and it missed, it missed the cup by about a centimeter. And he got me by one. Unreal. I oh, love it. 
Uh, you know, not only do you do stuff with the major league players, but one of the cool things for me, especially kind of working and talking to a lot of the minor league players is seeing your shirts at all the different affiliates that you can go to. Uh, we just had Brennan, uh, Brennan Davis and Cole Franklin over at club 400. Uh, you got a Brennan Davis is good at baseball. You have uh, ice cold, like, like, you know, Cole was talking about how his mom was just so excited to get that shirt, you know, and it's funny because the minor league guys talk about it too. I just had uh DJ hers on the last episode and he, you know, we were talking about hers time and I'm like, Oh, is that an obvious shirt? Yeah. He's like, no, but I'm waiting. I, I think maybe one day. And I'm like, don't worry, DJ, I'm sure you're going to get your hers day shirt, but uh, yeah, you know, it's just absolutely, you know, like just to see those minor league guys even know who you are before they even come up. And it's like part of the dream. You know what I mean? It's like, maybe I'll be on an obvious shirt someday, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I don't, I've never really thought of it that way. Um, I'm just so, there's so much going on inside the business that I haven't really been able to like step back and reflect, nor, nor can I, I can't really get the perspective of like seeing the company or understanding what it's about. I just, I don't have that like angle or perspective on it, but yeah, you bring up a great point. I, the minor league guys are just, I have the ultimate respect for them because while they're on track to make it and to go to the show and to, you know, their life is going to get so much better. They're not there yet. And so their life kind of, is a grind. And I relate to that very much, even though I'm not playing professional baseball, but I get the grind and I get like, I don't consider myself a success by any means. Um, just a guy that loves the world that he's in and just does it for fans and tries to make baseball a little bit more enjoyable, but it's not all puppy sunshine and rainbows down there. And I get that. So anytime a minor leaguer, reaches out they get my undivided attention and i want to do anything i can to help um because i just respect what they do and what they go through so yeah i mean it's it's just really cool and so now you're sitting here and you've done just so much also for charity i know you've done stuff for club 400 uh i was at, at the steve mcmichael party that was on the rooftop you made the shirts for mongo uh you know for john's i mean you, you've done a lot of that and that, that has to you know make you feel good to know that people kind of turn to you and say, Hey, we want you to be part of what we're doing. Yeah. That's the best part other than, uh, yeah, I would say that takes the cake. The, again, I, I have a, I'm blessed. I had a very good mom and I have a very good mom. And the one thing she's always stressed my entire childhood is to give more than you expect to receive and just do the right thing. And I just have always felt like, Whatever you do in life, the mission should not be inward looking. It should always be outward looking. So whatever I do, I always try to take care of other things, other people first. And it's really important to me that if I can do something and be able to provide or help or aid in any type of way, that that is what makes all of this worth it. That's what makes the hard times worth it, the, the path, the grind like to help other people and to do more than just t-shirts. I don't, t-shirts are just the vehicle. T-shirts are just like the outlet. It's not, it's, it's more of the vehicle to, to allow me to do things that really matter to me. And that is to help, help give back. So that's what I'm most proud of more than anything is the ability 
to give back and to use the shirts as a vehicle to raise awareness and raise funds. And I met a lot of amazing people along the way. Um, so, yeah. So Joe, I got to ask you your top three favorite shirts, the ones that you hold near and dear to your heart, your three favorite ones, either because it's clever or because it has some special meaning to you. Man, that's a great question. I think the number one is greatest game. And, um, that's because it was so unexpected. So there's a funny story. I know I've been super long winded. That's just, sorry, I I'm long winded. I go, I could, I could talk your ear off. The greatest game shirt, I was converting DVDs like for my for myself, and then I was gonna like I put them on a stream cloud service that my mom, because she is like she she was retiring at the moment. She had more free time. She wanted to like just watch movies. So I'm like mom, I'll, I'll I got it. And I was converting uh, the greatest the greatest game ever played, the golf movie with Shia LaBeouf, and so what I would do is I would watch the movie while it was converting because it was a long, slow process. And, um, you know, I was read, I was look while this was happening I was reading the back of the DVD and it said something about like the greatest game or the greatest golf match was in Brookline, Massachusetts. And the very last line of the movie, fast forward to the end of the movie. Now the last line was in, and there the greatest golf game ever played, um, was on a Sunday in Brookline, Massachusetts. And then I just like had that light bulb. I'm like, well, shit, the greatest baseball game I ever played was on a Wednesday in Cleveland. I mocked it up that night, went to bed, put it as like a pre-order. And I woke up to like 380 orders. And I was like, what the hell? And then it like just, it just never stopped from there. So that's greatest game shirt. I owe pretty much everything to that. Um, number two and number three, I mean, the Jake shirt's got to be up there just because that's what started it all. So I think Jake, the Jake shirt would probably be number two strictly on just sentimental value. Um, and I'm trying number three. Gosh, that's tough. I really liked. I really liked the Willieville shirt, the playoff of the Connect or the City Connect jerseys. I really liked how that shirt looks, the phrase Willieville, you can go either way with it. I really like the aesthetics of that, but in terms of like just a shirt that I like, that would yeah, Willieville would be up there or, uh, man. I'm waiting for something specific, man. I'm waiting for something specific. Gosh, putting me on the spot, Crawley. Well, I'm going to tell you, Joe, I'm going to tell you your third one. Ready? Here it is. Here it is. And I'm going to tell you why. It has to be oh, St. Louis is boring because I, was, I swear to God, I was, I was close. The reason why I didn't want to say that is because I, I'm very big on authenticity, originality, and that is not, uh, that's not an original. I guess either is the Willieville, but go ahead. Sorry. I'm just going to say, not only do you get the pleasure of making money off that shirt, but you also get the joy and satisfaction knowing that you piss off Cardinals fans. That, so that to me is like the ultimate combo. I can make money and irritate the shit out of Cardinals fans. There can't be anything better than that, Joe. Yeah, you you're, you persuaded me. I, I swear to God, St. Louis born was going to get thrown out, but it's like, well, Chris Bryant made that. I didn't, I mean, he, he kind of made that special. I just put it on the shirt, but I do remember the Cubs convention when that all went down and I was like freaking out because I'm like, I don't have any, like, I need to go to the printer. I'm calling my printer. I'm like, get these printed up. 
try to get it here by Sunday, the last day of Cubs convention. Like that was <laughs> that how that all went down was epic. And and you know me, like I'm a pretty neutral, stay out of people's shit. But I hate St. Louis, and I not, I'm not saying I hate the Cardinals more than anything. I absolutely hate them. So you're right. Any any <laughs> chance you get to pick like piss them off and poke fun at them and make money, hand down. You're right. Oh, they, they hate you, Joe. And I think that's the ultimate compliment I could give another Cubs fan is the St. Louis Cardinal fans hate you with a passion. And I, I think you should wear that as a badge of honor, my friend. I do. I do. I, in fact, I wore it in St. Louis and they like, wouldn't even let me wear that shirt in the stadium. I had to like throw, luckily I had a hoodie cause it was, it was cold, not cold, but it was a night game. So, but just the fact that they wouldn't wear, let me wear that shirt. And it was like, I got, I got to them. It matters. Oh, now, oh, yeah. now it matters. Well, Joe, tell everybody where they can find you online. And and and, and the store we said was uh, the obvious shirt store is on Grace and uh, Clark. Clark. So yeah. it, it's you can't miss it. The obvious logo is right there. And and uh, online still at obviousshirts.com. Yep. Uh, social is at obvious underscore shirts. Um, yeah, our store hours are really funky right now just because – you know, without Cubs traffic, it's very hard to gauge. Uh, but we're always – our offices are right across the street. So if you ever want to come in, you can just call the number that's on the front door of our store, and we are a 30-second walk away. If you have any ideas, um, I, 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 we have some big announcements coming up, but we're probably going to wait until CubsCon to announce them. We will be at Cubs Convention, so come see us there. We have some surprises. We have, like – we're going to have giveaways, and we have, like, a cool – uh, we're going to have like a scavenger hunt. It's going to be actually be pretty badass. but uh, the bigger announcements I'm going to have, I'm, I would love to announce them here, but I'm going to wait till Cubs convention. Uh, but this was a great, a great interview. I'm sorry. I rambled, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on. No, Joe, it's always a pleasure. I pre I appreciate everything you do and uh, man, just keep rolling it and we'll keep buying them. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I hope the Cubs can make some moves here. Cause I think we're all, we're all just ready uh, for championship baseball caliber teams again. From your lips to the baseball God's ears, Joe. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Carl. You're the best. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode 57. Dansby Swanson, he is a cub. All right, Crowley, don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. The CubsCon schedule, Crowley, it's been released. And you did a little detective work. I don't know if this made it to the last podcast, but definitely made it to uh, your and I's uh, text stream. You saw the Dansby Swanson thing coming because of something you read in the CubsCon schedule release. Yeah, th- this is shocking. So for, for those of you we've talked to, we had, uh, we, we've had the Cubs talk to us about CubsCon. Um, but it's returning uh, to the Sheridan January 13th to the 15th. Now, for the first time ever, this is the first time this ever happened, the Cubs released the schedule of events this early. Normally, it usually isn't until the day of. So you go to CubsCon, you get in line, you get like a bag of stuff, and in that bag of stuff is a program, and that has a list of all the different events, all this, all the stuff. This year, they, they released it like this last week, and that's just absolutely unusual. So I kind of was digging through some things. And the first thing I look at, you know, is on Friday. 
there's a red carpet special which is going to be shown live on Marquee. And I said, well, what's this red carpet special? Now, in 2013, when the convention was moved from the Hilton to the Sheridan, they had like this red carpet that led from a hallway where the players were to, through the crowd up onto the stage. So I'm just wondering, are they bringing that back? I have no idea. Um, you know, so that's there. The opening ceremonies that's been going on since the, the convention started. Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster has been a huge hit over the last few years. Demp is great on there. He's got a, a band that's just phenomenal. And then uh, he's just funny. There's just been a lot of very funny events that have occurred there. That's where the, the Chris Bryant St. Louis is boring came out of and all sorts of goofy things. So it's a fun night. Now this year, what the Cubs are doing is after the Ryan Dempster show is over, that was kind of the end of the night. This year, they have something called Harry Karaoke at the Budweiser Shy Bar, which is that bar right in the, like where the score usually sets up, right? Kind of in the middle of the area of the hotel, right when you walk in. So a little something new. But what you're talking about, Dustin, is that, you know, when I looked at Saturday, the first thing that pops out to me, right, is the Ricketts family session is back. It's if you don't back. know, right, if you don't know the story, I find out I, I used to have an in that would give me the schedule. So I would always release it like the Wednesday of CubsCon. So I'd get a copy of the schedule and then the Wednesday before CubsCon, I would release it. So, you know, kind of people would kind of like to see and plan the events. That's like kind of what you want to do. Right. And all of a sudden I'm taking a look at the schedule that I got and I talked to the source that gave me the information. And I said, you know, what's going on? Is, is it, you know, it's 2019 CubsCon and there's no Ricketts sessions. The Ricketts always had the ownership session ever since they owned the team from their very first CubsCon. And if you remember in 2019, they had in 2018 into 19, they had a really bad off season. That was the one I talked about before about missing out on Machado and missing out on uh, Bryce Harper and, and, you know, just signing Daniel Descalso. And it was just a, just a disaster and people were really upset. And so, you know, I, I checked with my guy. I'm like, you hundred percent sure. He's like, yes, I've seen the, the program. Ricketts are not doing their session. And I was kind of like, um, that's a bad look because after Tom, after they won the world series, people would literally like go up to the mic on cup phone and Cubs con and, and go, Mr. Ricketts, you're the greatest. I love you. You, you made my dreams come true. Like he got all the adulation, right? <laughs> but then all of a sudden when things are going bad, you're going to pull the plug. And then they kind of said like, well, we, you know, they do a survey. You get an emailed survey after every Cubs con. What was your favorite? Dada? Like, well, it didn't, it didn't survey. Well, I'm like, no. I've never heard anyone say they don't want the Ricketts session because that it was, was always the, packed. It was always right, packed. Right, right. And, and the thing is, is when you had the Tribune, who was in charge? Who was making the decisions? There was no ownership to speak of. It was just a conglomeration. So we liked talking to the owners, and, and there was just a chance to let your feelings be known. So just kind of, you know, like I said, just kind of taking a look at that. When I saw that the Ricketts were having the family session come back, I said to myself, and I, and I texted you right away, I said, they're, they're signing Dansby Swanson because there is no way that they're going to have that family session if they end up having an offseason like it was looking like. Where we Remember we were talking about we only had uh, Bellinger and, and Jamison Tyone. And I'm like, they're not going to have the, the family session if that's what it's looking like. And so on Saturday, December 10th, Dansby Swanson got married. And then they went off with his wife to a honeymoon somewhere tropical. And I, and I said, they're going to sign Swanson. And when he comes back from the honeymoons, they're, they're going to announce it once, you know, it's always the physical that you got to get done and all that stuff. So, you, you know, that's kind of Crowley. Put, that was good. That together. was good insight. That was good insight. <laughs> Connecting the dots. I loved it. So you I got the it. Ricketts family session back and then you got, then 
tr- your traditional baseball ops, which is Jed and Carter, followed by Rossi and his coaches. So those are the first three things in the morning. Of course, the Ricketts is the first thing because you kind of, you know, most of the people are still kind of hungover from the night before. They still haven't gotten moving really quick. So that's the first thing in the morning. So, um, you know, they have some of the traditional um, favorites kind of coming back there, which is business ops and the kids only press conference where only children can ask questions and a lot of goofy things kind of come out of there. Uh, new this year is a live recording of the Compound podcast with Ian Happ and his teammates is what it says. I don't know if it's his podcast mates, but maybe Ian's recording it and, and hopefully, you know, it'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Saturday night has fan favorite bingo with Wayne Mesmer. The highlight every year of Cubs Con is Cubs Con bingo. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, followed again by Harry Karaoke Saturday night. But the surprising thing about this year's sub, uh, Cubs Con is there are no sessions on Sunday. Not a one. Now, traditionally speaking, right? Sunday would be your recovery day. It was kind of like a little bit like more low key, but you would usually have hall of famers or you'd have the 1984 guys or the 1989 guys or the 1969 team. And then the other one that was a big one on Sunday, what it was called down on the farm. And that was the minor leaguers that would all be up on there and, you know, kind of talking they've moved the minor leaguers to Saturday. So, I mean, my, my guess here is that, you know, because the minor leagues were such a big story for the Cubs this year and the major leagues wasn't a great story this year, I'm guessing that they're, they're moving the minor leaguers into prime time. But for me, that's kind of tough. Cause it's like, there's nothing to do Sunday. They're having like a, well, a Sunday kid- still like Sunday, there's still like autograph sessions and things like that. My guess is there'll be some autograph sessions. My guess is they're, they're, they're doing, they're also doing a baseball clinic for children. So, I mean, I guess they're try- maybe trying to do more kid-friendly things, but I'm surprised they didn't do like at least one or two sessions because it's still, you know, it's, it's kind of like the people that have been partying all weekend, you could, you could get like really good seats on that session because it wasn't as crowded. And, and it was fun to see the, the young kids too, the minor leaguers. So um, kind of like when, when everybody's not there, you kind of just had like, it's more calm and it's more peaceful and it doesn't feel as rushed on Sunday. So I was a little disappointed. There's really not much to do on Sunday. So yeah, I'll probably be uh, trying to look for autographs and, and, and maybe do some shopping. I don't know. Uh, some other observations I just made is that when I looked at the list, so they, they also released the list early of the players that are returning at CubsCon. It seemed like the list was a little light and not a lot of the World Series team has is coming back to CubsCon. Now, obviously, the guys that are on different teams aren't going to do that. Um, but the returning players are uh, Pedro Strope, Miguel Montero, Matt Caesar. Okay. So kind of surprised. Like Ben Zobrist is not there. John Lester never liked that type of thing. But you even yeah, got guys. He was, yeah, he really didn't show up to a lot of that stuff. Uh-uh. No, no. And so, you know, Justin Grimm or Travis Wood, there's a lot of guys that have retired that I'm surprised they, they didn't bring back. Well, maybe Ben Zobrist will make an, a surprise appearance because isn't he back within the organization doing stuff now? Um, you know, he, he's not, not, uh, not as far as technically on the payroll. Uh, oh, like, I thought he, I thought he was involved in some way, shape or form. No, Miguel. So Miguel Montero is what they call an ambassador. So a couple of guys, right. like I think Caesar's an ambassador too. Um, but, but Ben has come and he has spoken to the team. He's gone, done some things with the minor leagues, but it's just not like on the payroll. If you get what I'm saying. Understood.
So. That's a wrap. Season one, episode 57. Dansby Swanson is a cub, is in the books. Crowley, tell them how to keep in touch with us. Yeah, follow us on the socials. Like we, like we said, we got a feeling that there's going to be some more breaking news throughout the week. So if you want to take a look, fl- follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670. Follow us on Facebook or FlyTheW. Or you can email us at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. Like I said, the Cubs have just gotten rolling. It's time to keep it going, and hopefully we'll have plenty to talk about next time. Go Cubs! Go Cubs! It's all over.